Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down box or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Glory to Jesus Christ. I'm Father Thomas Loya here on Light of the East. Thank you for tuning in. And this Sunday, in the calendar for many Eastern Catholic churches, as well as the following Sunday, are called the two Sundays before Christmas. Or in other words, this Sunday is the Sunday of the Holy Ancestors of Christ. And next Sunday is the Holy Fathers of Christ. In other words, what we do as we move further and further, closer and closer to the moment of the incarnation of our Lord in the flesh, is that we look back into Scripture, into all the archetypal people and images in the Scripture that pointed to this great mystery, this great event of the Incarnation. And one of the things we do in these two Sundays prior to Christmas is we look at the persons, the kind of the genealogy of Christ, as it were, and we focus this Sunday on the Old Testament figures, the people who really were the types of Christ. Christ is the archetype, and these figures were the types. In other words, Abraham and Isaac, Daniel, the three years in the fire, all these Old Testament figures that we know so well with all their great stories and what happened to them and their great journeys and dramas and adventures, their stories and their personalities are all images, foreshadowings of the person of Jesus Christ. And so what the church does in the liturgical calendar today and next Sunday is it goes back and kind of rereads the Bible backwards in a way, it reads back into the Bible and it starts to put before our eyes all the events, all the persons that led up to what we will encounter in just a couple of short weeks, the coming of God, of God himself in the flesh. And it shows the marvel of God's plan of salvation, how the incarnation was planned so far ahead of time, and how God dropped hints and just sort of unfolded this magnificent plan through the people and the events of his chosen people, of the Israelites. And this is the whole point of the Old Testament, all the personages in the Old Testament. And so we focus on that at this point in the Byzantine liturgical calendar. So today is Sunday of the Holy Ancestors of Christ, and the next Sunday is the Holy Fathers, where we read the entire genealogy. It's the gospel I call the begat gospel. So-and-so begat so-and-so, so-and-so begot so-and-so. And people sometimes wonder, what is the point of all that? You know, it's kind of all these names that are hard to pronounce. But actually, there's a magnificent point. It points to how God worked through human history, how incarnationally God worked even before he came in the flesh. He was actually working through and making himself present through the events, the persons, the, the genealogy, the ancestry 
of Jesus Christ, even before Christ came in the flesh. It's an incredible, incredible way to look at the Bible in what we call the allegorical typology technique. In other words, all the types, you know, the images, the models, the events of the Old Testament are actually types, models of the one archetype, and that is Christ, God come in the flesh. However, before we get to that magnificent moment of the incarnation, we're still in that period we know as the Philip's fast, that period of asceticism. And hopefully you've been fasting from meat and dairy products on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, as well as increasing your works of charity, of giving, of giftedness, of asceticism, meaning pulling back, not indulging that the world wants us to do, but pulling back and making more time for silence, for prayer, for being reflective, reading the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, and seeing this magnificent typology this magnificent unfolding of the plan of salvation. But also, as I mentioned, we focus on ascetical disciplines. And, of course, most importantly in that area is going to confession. Now, confession, of course, is about confessing our sins. And our sins come from our disordered passions. Now, in the Eastern Church, we have a rather developed sense of the passions and of sin, which actually lays a great foundation for what later on would become modern-day psychology. Now, I mean the best of psychology. I know many are distrustful of psychology and its origins, but actually psychology in its best form is simply about insight into human nature, especially the fallen side of human nature and how it manifests itself in our behavior, in our behavior patterns. In the Eastern Church, the concept of the human person, which you talked about a few programs ago, the concept of the human person is that we are, of course, body, soul, and spirit together, like mind, soul, body, spirit, all together. We are composite, and that composite works together. So what happens in the soul, the spirit, affects the body and vice versa, which means we approach human health, holiness, especially during this time of year, we approach it in a very holistic or psychosomatic way. In other words, body and soul together. So we have to treat the whole person A lot of our health is due to habits and lifestyle. A lot of our physical health has to do with an origin or a cause, as it were, an influencing factor that is ultimately spiritually based. So we look at the whole person, and we see this interesting dynamic, this sort of integration between the psychological, the spiritual, the emotional, the physical. And one of the individuals from the great tradition of the Desert Fathers in the Eastern churches is a monk named Evagrius, Abba Evagrius, who had a lot to say in this whole idea of human psychology, his insight into the passions and into sin and how it manifests itself. And Evagrius, he was a monk of Scetus. He was born around the middle of the fourth century. And he studied under the great monks, Saints Macarius of Egypt and, and of Alexandria, and he was friends with such great saints as St. Basil the Great, St. Gregory of Nyssa, and St. Gregory the Theologian. So he was in huge company. Now, Evagrius ran into a little bit of a problem in what we call his cosmology. And uh, his um, cosmology, as it were, was condemned by the Fifth Ecumenical Council. However, aside from that, and by the way, a lot of times you'll find that great minds, great spiritual people will kind of sometimes spill over the edge, as it were, into what eventually is declared as something heretical. This means everything about them was wrong or heretical. It just means that in this particular area, they were wrong. They kind of like went too far. That's what heresy is. Heresy is something that is either a little bit overemphasized or a little bit underemphasized. 
And with Vagrius, he kind of overemphasized certain things having to do with what we call cosmology. However, he still remains a very important figure from the early church. He was one of the first to record the ascetic experiences of the great desert monks. And he had a great insight into what we call the passions, or in other words, what he called the eight thoughts. Now, a little bit about this idea of passions from the Eastern perspective. What are the passions? Well, passions comes from the word pasco or pasio, which means to suffer. Passions is derived from the verb pasco. It means to suffer, and in any case, a kind of an inner sickness. Now, our passions in and of themselves are not bad. In fact, they are our drives, as it were, our energies that make us want to strive towards intimacy with God. However, because of original sin, or what we call in the Eastern Church, we prefer to call it ancestral sin, the sin of our ancestors. These passions, it's kind of like an engine, and years ago, I don't know if they still do, but car engines used to have what's called, or gas engines on lawnmowers and cars. I learned this when I was a young man growing up, and my dad taught me this, how lawnmower engines, gas engines, had what's called a governor on them, so the engine wouldn't go too far out of control, wouldn't kind of like burn itself up. You know, you couldn't drive that engine to its limits and blow it up, so it had like a governor on it. Or passions, in a sense, have lost their governor on there as a result of original sin. But the passions in themselves are not necessarily bad. There are passions that are, in a sense, the absence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, they're like unnatural movements of the soul and are therefore, in a sense, it's dying or it's death or it's sickness. You see, sin is defined in the Eastern Church as sickness, sickness of the soul, of the person, which, of course, comes from death. So healing is initiated when these passions are redirected toward God. And the inner movements of the soul then no longer rouse sensual desire and the soul attains what we call apatheia, or a state of dispassion. Now, there's our goal in the spiritual life is to reach a state of dispassion or apatheia. It's where we get the word apathy. Now, apathy in our understanding, in our culture means, eh, no feeling, I don't care, whatever. But it's kind of a variation of its original meaning, which in the Eastern church means a state in which the passions, the fallen side, no longer rule us. In other words, they've got their governor back on them, as it were. They don't go away but they no longer out of control. They're rather reintegrated or redirected back to God. It kind of like putting us back together again, making our mind, heart, soul, body, emotions all kind of work in synchronization rather than fragmentedly. In the teaching of John Paul II of the Theology of the Body, through experiential knowledge of divine love, the soul seeks to channel its energies and movements and demonstrate divine love to neighbors so that we reach not only the state of apathy, but also agape or selfless love, selfless love. We're going to talk more about the Eastern understanding of passions and the eight thoughts and sin with the help of our friend Evagrius the monk when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church has something special for your holiday table this Christmas season. 
Now imagine an incredibly delicious nut roll or poppy seed roll from the kitchens of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. These ample and substantial old world treats are over a foot long, made with loving care from old world recipes. Just $15 each. To order your nut roll or poppy seed roll, call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. Pick up at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road in Homer Glen, Illinois. Can't get to the church? We'll put it in the mail. Just add $5. Call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church Nut and Poppy Seed Rolls. The Daughters of St. Paul sponsor a monthly study group on The Theology of the Body. The discussions are led by Father Thomas Loya. Glory to Jesus Christ. Every second Saturday during the month at Pauline Books and Media, 172 North Michigan Avenue in Chicago, from 10.30 until 12 noon Central Time. Simultaneously and interactively video streamed live online. As you know, we are concerned about the sacramental liturgical worldview as delivered by John Paul II's Theology of the Body. For more information, go to daughtersofstpaul.com or call 312-346-4228. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... And now, back to Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. We're talking about the idea of sin and passions as we continue our sedical discipline towards Christmas so that we are cleansed and ready to receive the coming of the bridegroom, the great mystery of the Incarnation. And we're talking about Evagrius Panticus, who was a monk who had deep insights into the sort of the psycho-spiritual dimensions of the human person, which forms kind of the basis of the Eastern approach to moral theology and to the road to holiness. 
Now, as I mentioned earlier in the first half of the program, Evagrius laid a lot of foundation that gave rise to what is today modern-day psychology. Now, and again, by that I mean the best of psychology. And we're going to use a little bit of the help of a good friend of mine. Her name is Dr. Donna Dobrovsky. She's a psychiatrist, and she gave a marvelous presentation on this subject to the Catholic Medical Association at an annual conference uh, in October of 2009. And her talk was called Psychotherapy, Healing the Soul in which he really presented this whole connection between modern-day psychology and psychiatry, you know, the healing professions, and the work of the Eastern Desert Fathers, which points to one of the points I make on this program, which is that the Eastern spirituality has something to say to our world today. Remember, the goal of this program is unity and the sharing of the gifts of the Eastern churches, the ways that we are gifts to the whole church and to today's world, which means, yes, even the secular world, to any human being. And one of those gifts we have is this insight into the human person and how to heal the human person. And first and foremost, we look at that human person holistically, body, mind, soul, spirit, all coming together. Now, what Dr. Donna mentions is that Evagrius had what what he called eight different thoughts or eight passions that actually are relative to what we know today in human psychology, different maladies. And his eight passions, their eight thoughts were gluttony, fornication, avarice, sorrow, anger, achidia, vainglory, and pride. Now, those of you from the Western lung of the church might recognize these as very similar to the seven deadly sins. Well, in the East, they call it thoughts or passions. Uh, the Greek word is logizmoi. And thoughts are things that happen to us, not just something we choose, something that happens to us. Now, we can choose to hang on to them and develop into full-blown sin, but they are basically things that happen to us because of our fallen nature. In other words, we don't really control the fact that they come into us. It's what we do with them. Now, this one thought you may have heard was achidia. It probably sounded to you like something kind of strange. Now, it can't be translated directly, but here's some of what Dr. Donna proposes as a way of defining it. In many ways, it appears to be clinical depression, but is a spiritual illness that is the ultimate form of self-focus to the point of despair. It's not a psychological condition based on a neurobiological problem and does not tend to respond to medication. It can present concurrently with a genetic biochemical depression, but if not addressed as a spiritual problem within a person who has responded to medical treatments, that individual remains a great risk for relapse. Or a person may not respond to medical treatment unless this spiritual illness is addressed concurrently. Now, there you see you have a wonderful, if you notice that, a wonderful interplay and connectedness with modern medicine. Yeah, maybe certain drugs are needed for depression, something like that. But as Dr. Donna is saying here, and she's a psychiatrist, a doctor herself, so she knows, she's telling us that oftentimes medicine is not the ultimate answer. It can help, but there are certain things that are spiritually based, which manifest themselves, yes, in the psychological and the physical. So you have to treat the whole person. So yeah, maybe some medicine helps, some psychological counseling, but also spiritual counseling. And even going into our habits, even the physical dimensions of our life, how we're living physically, what we're doing and not doing with our bodies. The whole person has to be treated to have actual, not only health, but spiritual well-being, in other words, holiness. And this is what this asceticism is about. In fact, Dr. Donna writes this, the stage of development in a person in which critical individual needs are not met is reflected in the type of thoughts, such as Evagrius points out, or attachments that persons tend to struggle with. Here's an example. Here's where she connects the work of Evagrius, a fourth century monk, with modern day psychology. Example, unmet early dependency needs. 
will manifest itself in gluttony or overeating, eating under stressful conditions, trying to fill up loneliness or emptiness, putting up a wall to not risk hurt or disappointment, pain, staying in bed, hoarding behaviors, and so on. Unmet dependency needs transition into deep sorrow and resentment, and this results in anger, which is another one of Agvarigus's passions or thoughts. Anger turned inward, and that, of course, results in depression. Now, modern psychology about science knows this. They realize that when a person is depressed, it's because there's anger. I know it myself. If I feel down about something, I know that what it is I'm really feeling underneath it is I'm angry about something. So I want to kind of move beyond the down feeling. I have to get in touch with the anger and deal with the anger. What am I angry about? Why am I angry? Should I be angry about it? What do I do with it? Now, Evagrius knew this. He knew this connection. He didn't have the tools or words of modern psychology or psychiatry, but he had the underlying sources or causes and vocabulary. Here's another one. A arrested narcissistic stage tends to manifest with avarice, seeking control over one's environment. Possessions reflect money, which equals power, communicating that I am important. And this, of course, is related to then another passion, which is vainglory or self-flattery, seeking praise. Now, what Dr. Donnan means about arrested narcissistic stage is actually something good. In other words, there is actually in developmental psychology a point when the child is supposed to be narcissistic. They're supposed to be very self-centered to an extent for a while, a certain phase of their development that is good. It's for their survival development, but then they have to move beyond it. However, if they are not given the proper attention, the proper attachment to usually to mother at that stage, then they could grow up with this sort of hole in them, in their heart and soul, their psyche, their spirituality, and become seeking, avaricious. They want control. They want to possess. It is in arrested adolescent development that we tend to see sexual acting out in pride, not needing anyone, especially God. Normal agnostic stage as we explore values and who I want to be when I grow up despondency or achidia. In other words, it's almost like this depression. And she says, on initial glance, the order in which Evagris places fornication appears to be inconsistent with current insights about human development. However, they correlate when one realizes that Evagris's system is also hierarchical, dividing thoughts into primitive, animalistic, self-gratification, and those belonging to the higher intelligent function of the noose, reflecting self. I know it's kind of technical, but let me explain that. The noose means that part of us, nous, is where we get the word knowledge or knowing. In the East, there's two kinds of knowing. One is a, through our human reason, you know, our brains, our rational powers. And the other one is through this sort of direct experience of God. In other words, through, through our, in a sense, a more mystical knowing of God, knowing what is right, knowing about God, sort of an innate sense that we get from a more mystical or phenomenological experience of God and of life. Dr. Donner also writes this, spiritual illnesses often present with physical, psychiatric, and psychological complaints. Often, in order for the spiritual needs to be addressed, it is advantageous to first treat the psychological component. Likewise, once physically stabilized, if underlying spiritual issues are not addressed, the person can remain vulnerable to reoccurring physical, emotional illness, and deeper spiritual problems. It seems beneficial for medical professionals and spiritual directors and clergy to work closely with one another. As clinicians and religious, we treat those who are ill starting with their presenting complaints, somatically, psychologically, or spiritually. All the while, we are to be an instrument of grace, that rusty pipe through whom grace flows for the purpose of cure. In this sense, our vocation is the path toward a greater intimacy 
and knowledge of God, transforming us into His image and unique presence to others. So you see, the goal of healing, the reason for asceticism, especially during times like this in the Eastern churches, as we lead up to any great feast day, such as the Nativity of our Lord, is to heal ourselves, to bring ourselves back to that original integration where mind, heart, body, soul, spirit are all acting as one in unison with the will of God. That is healing in the Eastern churches and why we enter into asceticism and confession and to the great fasting periods. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years.